another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. For links, related resources, and even more encouragement, visit BeulahGirl.com. Hi, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of the Beulah Girl podcast. I'm Carol Whitaker, your host for tonight's episode. And Susie Lolly, my co-host, is not going to be able to be with us tonight, but she will be back with a brand new series in November that she's been working on. It's going to be over depression, and so you do not want to miss that. But today, I'm just going to be here on my own going through this very important topic that we're going to be talking about tonight, and that is suffering. And particularly, where is God when we suffer? It's easy when times are good in our life to say that God is good and we trust in God, but how about when times are bad? Can we say those words then? When there's chaos happening in our lives, when circumstances aren't going as we would want, saying that God is good and he is faithful is much more difficult. Some of us right now are going through such tremendously difficult times. And oftentimes there can be layers to our trials. Right now, as you're listening to this, you may be going through a health problem that has been persisting for several years that you just can't seem to find an end to. You may at the same time be having some marriage difficulties. You may be having some problems with your children. Perhaps they're having you know difficulty in school or perhaps there are difficulties with finances. There can be layers to our problems and we just may feel crushed down by the weight of them because the weight, you know, there's just all going on at once. A person in the Bible that I find so much inspiration from is Paul. And he said this about his journey when he was going through Asia, spreading the gospel. He said in 1 Corinthians 1.8, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure so that we despaired of life itself. Paul was somebody who had so many trials. I love to read his story because in the midst of all the afflictions, the persecution, the opposition, the problems that he went through, he still persisted in his great trust that he had um, in Christ, and he still managed to fulfill the will of God, even though he had so many trials that he was going through in his life. Now, while Paul was somebody in the in the New Testament that went through a lot of affliction, Job is somebody in the Old Testament that went through a lot of afflictions and problems in his life, and that that is the person that we're really going to be focusing on for tonight's podcast to draw some inspiration and hope just by looking at his story. When we are going through suffering, the Bible has so many examples um, of individuals who can help us in our own struggles because they are going through similar things that we're going through. And we can look at their stories and say, okay, how in the world did they get, get through those? And what were their questions? We can see our own questions in their questions. And you know, how did they get through? And what did God say to them in their struggle? And is that what God's saying to me in my struggle? So we can look at stories in the Bible and really get some hope and comfort and inspiration from them. So if you've read the story of Job, you know that Job was somebody who lost everything he had in one day. He lost his estate, his wealth, and children all in one day. If you look at Job 1, it tells us that. Now, he did, of course, keep his own life, and his wife's life was spared. But prior to him losing everything, It tells us in Job 1 that there was a conversation that happened in the heavens between God and Satan. Satan approached God. He was looking for somebody to torment and harass. And God was the one who said, have you considered my servant Job? 
Job was known to be a very upright man, following the ways of God. And God himself describes Job as being upright, but he asks Satan if he has considered Job. And Satan responds by saying, whoa, I thought that was the guy that had a hedge of protection around him. I didn't think I had any access to that guy. And God says, I, you know, responds and, and basically permits Satan to have access to Job and afflict him. And so Satan goes from the presence of God. He afflicts Job's possessions, his family. And not only that, then Satan approaches God a second time. We see in Job 2 that Satan goes a second time to the heavens, approaches God, and asks for permission to afflict Job's health. So we see that even though God allows Satan to afflict Job, that there are limits to the suffering, that God has put some boundaries on that suffering, and that God is still fully in control, which we're going to be talking about later. But God gives permission to Satan to afflict Job's health. Satan leaves. He afflicts Job's health. Job breaks out in painful boils. So not only has he lost everything he has, but then he loses his health as well. And at that point, his wife, Job's wife, says to him that he should just go ahead and curse God and die. And Job replies in Job 2.10, he says, Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? Job was unwilling to abandon his faith even in the midst of heavy trials. Now, to make matters completely worse... <laughs> as if Job wasn't suffering enough already, we see in Job 2 and then later in Job that Job's friends come to sit with him and comfort him. However, they make him feel worse because they heap blame on him. There was a, a pretty common theology in that day, and we still see this theology somewhat in religious circles, but it was a theology that basically said that punishment came on a person if they sinned. And that was the only reason that a, a person could suffer or would suffer is because of their own sin. And so they try to blame Job and tell him that it's his fault for what's happened in his life. But we see that the friend's words are completely wrong and irrelevant for Job because Job is not going through suffering because of anything he's done. He's going through it simply because God has allowed this test to come into his life. So we, look, we can look at the story of Job, see that no one understands him, no one supports him. He is not even sure of what God thinks of him because he, he hasn't heard this conversation that went on between God and Satan. He has no idea what's going on. And so the rest of Job is really uh, dealing with Job's questions that he has. He, he processes through those with his friends, the questions of why he's suffering, why God has allowed it. And his questions of God, we see that Job raises some questions um, in God's direction and asks him about the suffering that has come into his life. And there's just a few ideas that we can take away his journey that I want to focus on in tonight's podcast. Now, before I go into these ideas, I do want to say that I gained some of these. They're loosely based on a study that I've, I finished reading recently. It's a first five app study of Job. Um, and you can hear that my cell phone is is um, going off, but uh, I'm getting texts as I'm going through this. But uh, this first five app, if you've never used it before, it's Proverbs 31 Ministries. It's completely free. I really recommend it. It's wonderful. But this app, basically, I've been going through a study called Suffering and Sovereignty. 
And it goes through the entire book of Job, as well as the book of Lamentations and Ecclesiastes. And I encourage you to look at it if you would like more information about the book of Job, or you just are going through a really tough time and feel like you want some extra um, lessons about that particular book, you can download it for free if you don't have it and just click on the plan, Job plan, and you can read it all for free. All the lessons there are listed. But some of the points I'm going to be talking about tonight are loosely based on just that particular study. And so I just want to let you know about that in case you want some further resources. So here's a few ideas we can take away from, from Job's journey. The first is that, that suffering falls on both the wicked and the righteous. While a connection can sometimes be drawn between our actions and the events happening in our life, sometimes the connection cannot be made. Um, as I mentioned, sin, certainly, if we are sinning, then we certainly can bring consequences in our lives. The Bible talks about the fact that evil will fall on the wicked and that blessings will come on the right, the righteous, those who follow and obey him. Psalm 51.1 says, Surely, Lord, you bless the righteous. You surround them with your favor as with a shield. Proverbs 33.3 says this, The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. So we see in the Bible that it does talk about this principle of reaping and sowing. If we are doing what's right and good in our lives, then we are going to reap blessings as a result of that. On the flip side of that, if we are engaged in wicked actions, if we are disobedient, if we aren't listening to God or we have not invited Jesus into our life to be our personal Savior and we're just doing whatever we want and living life according to our own flesh and our own sin nature, then we are going to similarly reap that in our lives. Um, however, what we can see from the book of Job is that the issue of suffering is often more complicated than just good happens to good and good those doing good and wicked, you know, uh, bad happens to those who are wicked. We see that, that, that suffering is much more complicated. Sometimes People who are engaged in wicked deeds flourish with no apparent repercussions. You might even know someone in your own life. They just are doing whatever they want to do. They have no reverence for God. They aren't a nice person. They may be doing actions that are appalling and they seem to be doing just fine. Whereas you may know some people who are trying so hard to do what's right they are upright, they are following God, and yet they suffer afflictions through no fault of their own. In both scenarios, we need to understand that God is still sovereign, he's still in control, and we have to understand as Christians that there are going to be good and bad seasons that happen in our life, and that good and bad happen to both the wicked and the righteous. Now, this doesn't mean that we accept every situation in our life and just say, well, this horrible person abusing him, this must be God, me, this is God's will for me. We don't need to be passive doormats or resign ourselves to situations that are not God's best for us. However, we have to understand that suffering is part of the Christian experience. Eventually, those people that look like they're getting away with everything, eventually their actions are going to catch up with them. They're going to be judged for the wrong they do, and they will eventually suffer consequences of their disobedience against God, even if it's not in this lifetime. I don't know about you, but I've watched TV shows before where it's, you know, they've talked about people who have, um, you know, gone on trial for these horrible crimes and then 
apparently, you know, they weren't um, convicted of anything. They were set free, even though they shouldn't have been, although it was obvious they did the wrong thing. And it appears that they, you know, would receive no consequences for the wrong they had done, but not so fast. Everyone is going to give an account for the things they've done in their life. And it tells us in the Bible that the wicked, even if it looks like they're getting away with, 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 um, evil that they're going to be judged um, after this life is over and they are going to receive punishment um, for their evil deeds. Uh, the second point I want to just bring out from the book of Job is that friends are good, but there is only one who will never abandon us. We need friends in our life. God made us for community. He wants us to do life with other people. However, we cannot always rely on our friends to say or do the right things or to know what to do when trouble comes in, in our life. When we, what we see in Job's story is Job's friends mean well, but they had no knowledge of what was really going on in Job's life. They immediately assume that Job is suffering because of sin, but Job tries, and Job even tries to tell them that he doesn't believe there's a major sin issue in his life. Um, but they don't really listen. They are so convinced of their own view. And their words do not comfort Job. They do not ring true for him. And similarly, we will have people completely misunderstand us and offer us advice that we really shouldn't take when we are suffering. Um, I can just tell you that I've been through two miscarriages and the reactions of other people vary. But some of the things that people said or did after my miscarriage uh, miscarriages, they really hurt. Some people don't know how to react to you after a tragedy. And, and so you can be suffering and then have people really misunderstand you or say things that are really hurtful. And that can just add hurt on top of the hurt you're already experiencing. And so we have to know that even though there are others who can provide comfort to us, there is only one who will provide the true comfort we need, and that is God. He will not abandon us. Even if it feels like he is far off and silent, it tells us in the Bible that he is close to the brokenhearted, and that's Psalm 34, 18. God is the only one who will have an accurate perspective of each situation we face. We can easily be led astray by friends with good intentions who give us human wisdom and logic, and maybe a few Bible verses thrown in for good measure that are, are right in other scenarios, but we need to really seek and listen to God's voice above all others and sort of related to that is we really need to evaluate what what the opinions that are coming in, into our lives and we need to look at whether those are true for us in our situation sometimes it can be scary to be the one voice in a situation that is dissenting when everyone else is assenting we may think something's wrong with us if we're the only ones offering a different point of view however sometimes our christian faith walk requires us to think and act differently than those around us. And there was a song, Voice of Truth by Casting Crowns, and it just says, out of all the voices calling out to me, I will choose to listen and believe the voice of truth. In our lives, there are a lot of voices calling out to us that may say one thing or another, but we need to know, we need to stop and say, okay, what is the voice of truth telling me about my situation? What is God telling me? Oftentimes in our suffering, there may be an area that God is circling around that he's working on, that he's refining us in an area. And so he may allow suffering in our lives because he's working on this area, but we have to understand that punishment is reserved for unbelievers. As believers, 
just because we're suffering doesn't mean God hates us and that he's punishing us. He may be chastising us or allowing us to go through a circumstance to refine us. But we have to understand that that punishment is something that happens to unbelievers um, and believers. We we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. We are considered righteous because of Jesus's blood and that we can claim that and that God does chastise us. But it's done in love to restore us. And a lot of times the suffering that comes in our life is simply because we live in such a sin ridden world that a lot of times the things that happen to us are because of other people's sin or because there just simply exists brokenness in our world that oftentimes will affect us personally. So there, there can be a lot of different scenarios and it's only in listening to God that we can truly know what's going on in our lives and have an accurate perspective of of the scenarios that we're, we're facing. Also, lastly, before we move on to my next point, I just want to say that what we can also take away from Job reg related to this area of friends is that when others in our life are suffering, we really need to be a good friend for them. Job, the book of Job shows us just how disastrous it can be when friends don't do and don't act in the way they should and don't provide the comfort that they need to provide. And when others are suffering and grieving, this is not the time to provide theological dissertations or give them advice that, you know, if God hasn't told us something specific for them, the best thing we can do when someone else is grieving is to show up, to be present, but to not really say that much, to listen and simply let ourselves be in their presence without having to offer them an explanation for their situation because we probably have no idea and don't know unless God has has told us um, when I was in hope ministry training hope ministry was the care and counseling center at my old church and I just went through a lay ministry training program so I wasn't a counselor there but I was just a, a lay I went through a lay hope minister training there and Hope Ministry was just helping other people in crisis, and they called them Hope Ministers, but it, it, you know, we just helped other people, learned how to help other people in crisis. And one of the things they told us about people who are grieving is that the best thing to do when others are going through really hard times is to simply hug and hush. That was a phrase they used, and that just means that show up, hug, provide your you know, comfort, perhaps do something for them, like make a meal, um, some other you know, thing that you can do for them, like a card or something. But basically, it's not a time to be offering advice or trying to correct them. They may be saying some some disturbing things in their grief as they're processing through it. They may be extremely angry at God, and we need to just quietly listen, provide support, and know that it's a process of grief that they're going to have to work through. My last point that I want to take away from Job that we can learn from him is that God doesn't expect us to be stoic in our suffering. And I want to just talk about this word stoic. And they talked a little bit about this in the first five study, but stoic means that you attempt to pull yourself up by the bootstraps. You attempt to get through your suffering without feeling. This may mean that you really don't take any time off when you're grieving. You just keep going to work, keep going through the motions without really allowing yourself time to process through what has happened and to just let yourself feel whatever feelings that you are experiencing in your grief. What we see from the book of Job is Job did not curse God, but he was not emotionless or stoic in his suffering. He showed great emotion for his loss. He attempted to process through what was happening by pouring out his feelings to God and his friends. And similarly, it's okay in our pain to express how we feel, to be honest with God. 
Job basically wanted to die, and he says that in the book of Job. He didn't try to play the religious role. He didn't try to pretend like events were devastating to him. He poured out his pain to others and told his friends honestly what he thought of their comments. And similarly, we can tell God how we truly feel. Now, I will say that towards the end of the book of Job, Job does get a little bit off track. He starts accusing God rather than just ask questions of God. He starts accusing God. And we do need to be careful about how we approach God in, in the statements that we make. It's different to ask questions of God, to tell him how we feel, but we need to stay away from accusations or anger that leads us to sin. Um, if we are holding unforgiveness against God, that we need to resolve that. And anger that isn't worked through can easily become sin. So while it's good to process through emotions and be honest, we do need to be careful that we aren't staying in a place of anger, that we aren't um, lashing out at God and not working through those feelings and that we have, if we're mad at God and we feel anger at him that we express that and that we ultimately come to a place of forgiveness that we we trust that God is good and that he knows what's going on even if it doesn't feel good in our lives at the the moment I want to just end with a few thoughts I've gone through three points and I want to just touch on those just once again just to remind us of the three points we've talked about the three things we can really take away from Job is number one, suffering happens to both the good and the wicked. Um, number two, friends are good, but only one who is there who will never abandon us, and that's God. And then number three, that we don't have to be stoic. We don't have to gloss over our pain, that we can be honest with God. Some final, final things that we can take away is that Jesus told his followers before leaving the earth that they would have trouble but to take heart because he had overcome the world. And that's John 16, 33. The reality is that when we as Jesus' followers experience um, suffering, that we, we may feel like the world's out of control. We may feel like God's not in control, but scripture tells us differently. It says that God is in control and that Jesus is holding the world in his hands, that he is aware of what's going on. There are limits um, and boundaries that God has put up, that there will be an end eventually to the suffering. And the Bible has much to say about suffering. And that as Christians, we don't love those hard times that come into our life, but it's those particular times that we need to ask God hard questions. We need to cling to him and say, as Job did, that we will accept both the good and bad seasons that he allows. The Bible tells us that God works all things for our good. That's Romans 8, 28, even those hard places that we're desperate to get out of. And I want to just share with you, after all the questions that Job asks, at the end of the book of Job, God answers Job. It says, this is just one beautiful line, it says that God answers uh, Job from out of the storm, that he responds. And he gives a monologue to Job, and it's kind of an, an interesting response but he basically says Job where were you when I created the earth and do you understand how I created the lightning and the hail and where it's stored and do you understand how I formed the beasts and he basically runs through everything that he's done that Job has no understanding of and Job responds by saying in Job 42 2 through 6 I know that you can do all things no plan of yours can be thwarted you asked, who is this that obscures my counsel without knowledge? Surely I spoke of things I did not understand, things too wonderful for me to know. You said, listen now and I will speak. 
I will question you and you shall answer me. My ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I despise myself and repent in dust and ashes. When Job is saying that he repents, basically he turns from his former uh, viewpoints and questions and he simply decides to accept that God and his purposes are supreme. And I'm getting that from the NIV study notes. He surrenders to the plan God has for him, which includes suffering. And that is so difficult to do in our lives. Now, I do want to say that Job has wrestled through his questions and he comes to the realization that God has allowed it in his life, that has allowed this test to come upon him. Um, but we similarly need to wrestle through. We don't need to just blindly accept suffering in our lives without wrestling through it and really questioning whether it's God's will for us in that circumstance. So please hear me out. I'm not saying just to accept abuse or accept someone tr mistreating you. I'm, I'm not saying that at all. I am saying, however, that there are times that we will go through different trials um, and that we need to wrestle through and see what God is saying to us in that circumstance. The NIV study notes say this, God does not allow us to suffer for no reason, even though the reason may be hidden in the mystery of his divine purpose. Never for us to know in this life, we must trust in him as the God who always does what is right. So in other words, when our circumstances are such that they are just crazy, we have a God we can rely on and trust because his purposes are always good, even if they don't feel good. And I just want to also point out when God you know, spoke to Job and told him, you know, his response. And Job answered back by saying, I know you can do all things. Later in that same passage I just read to you, Job says, my ears had heard of you, but now my eyes have seen you. When Job says that, we see that through this horrible circumstance that Job goes through, he reaches a greater awareness of God. And it's only through this horrible experience that he's able to have a greater understanding of God that he did not have before the suffering. And I talked about that in my previous post. Um, you can check out my blog for that. But I talk about my whole story of my second miscarriage and also a medical thing I just went through through recently. Um, you can check that out. But that is basically the point that I talk about in that, um, in that piece. I talk about the fact that those situations in my own life, I know were those that helped me to understand and see God better than than I did. So in our pain, however great, we have the opportunity to learn more of God as we share in his suffering. What we also need to know, just real quick before I conclude, is that Job is not left in his suffering and his pain. That the book of Job ends on a very positive note. God makes Job's friends go back to Job. God is not pleased with how they have uh, their their advice they've given and he actually has them go back to Job. Job makes sacrifices for his friends. And when that is done, Job's fortunes are restored. Now, of course, he can't get back the children that he lost. but And, 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 um, and that's tragic. But he does have more children. His wealth is restored. And he is more blessed in the later part of his life than he was at the beginning. So he's not left in his time of extreme suffering. And similarly, if we're in the middle of our suffering, we may not understand and we may have a lot of questions. But if we can wrestle through it as Job did, if we can cling to God, perhaps at a later date like Job, we'll be able to look back and see God's purpose in our suffering and have a better understanding of it than we do right now. What we can conclude about the question I posed at the beginning of the podcast, which was, where is God when we suffer? 
we as believers can rest in the truth that he is right here. He has not left. He is with us a constant friend. That is what it tells us in the Bible. If he feels like he is far away from us, we need to keep pressing in and, and claim that truth that he is He is not left. He has not abandoned us. He is with us and he is there to comfort us in our pain. 2 Corinthians 5.14 says, Therefore we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. As that verse explains, all of the things we're going through, they may not feel light and momentary, but they are achieving for us an eternal glory. When I was just preparing and reading some notes for this, I read in the NIV study notes that as believers, God may allow suffering in our lives as a test, but also because our suffering helps to do as this verse suggests, and that is just achieve for us eternal glory. That... Um, we, we, at, on the other side of this life, we're going to have a different perspective than we do now. And perhaps God will even allow us in this life to see what we've gone through in a different light. I want to just end by praying for you. I don't know what you're going through. Um, I don't know the circumstances in your life, but I know that God does. And I just want to end us in prayer. Dear Lord, I pray for every person who is listening to this podcast. I don't know the situations in their life, but you do. I pray that God, if they are suffering, that you would be with them in their suffering. You would provide comfort. You would provide encouragement. You would provide just your presence. And even if their circumstances don't change the way that they want, that you would alter their perspective. You would help them to feel um, just different about what they are going through. And you would help to relieve the burden of their pain. And Lord, if they're not suffering, um, but help them to help others who perhaps are and I just pray that God, that you would make yourself just more known through this podcast episode, that, that you would just make the people who have listened to this more aware of who you are and that you would speak through my limited words to reach the people who are listening. And I just pray blessing over every single one of them. In Jesus' name, amen.